Oh, man. That wasn't fun. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every Sunday show for a little morning after discussion, Montgomery Radio vet Daryl Daprich. And Daryl, what a disaster it was that we saw as Auburn falls to Penn State. Worst home loss since the Johnny Manziel game at Jordan-Hare about a decade ago. 41-12 to loss at the hands of the Penn State Nittany Lions. And to me, Daryl, the big thing leaving this game is change has to be made. And that, that, that's not me saying Brian Harson has to be fired. I do think it's likely after this game because I think all of the issues that are present um, are going to stay relevant for a while unless something drastic changes. But something has to change, whether it's what Brian Harson's doing or they got to find a new coach. Uh, I mean, I, I think it was that big of a loss. I do too, and I think it's because what it sets up for – this was a swing game to me on a couple of different factors. Number one, I wanted to see if Auburn could come out, put behind a lackluster performance last week, get some things corrected and cleaned up, and have a good performance against Penn State. I wanted to see them bounce back or see if what the real Auburn team looked like. Then I felt like the reason why it was a swing game was because I felt like they had to win it to have a shot to go into the brutal, brutal part of their schedule, either 4-1 and one or 5-0, and oh, yeah. because after that, it's going to be a gauntlet. So because you lose this game, you could beat Missouri next week. That's not a guarantee now with the way Auburn played today. And then lose to LSU and be sitting there at, you know, 2-3 and three, or 3-2 three and two going into – a, a really tough schedule, then where do you get your other three wins to become bowl eligible? I, it, it's very daunting, the task ahead. I think you're right about change, but I, Brian Harson comes across to me as a ride-or-die guy. Yeah. This is who I have as my staff. This is what I believe in, culture, philosophy. Right. I'm not changing, and I think that's going to ultimately cost him his job. I, I think so. I think so. I said on the show last week when Mike G came on, um, I said that Brian Harson was, I thought he would be the coach next year after what happened Saturday. I, I don't think that anymore. And it's not because of the singular game. Like you said, Daryl, it's because I don't think, I think Penn State's a good football team, but I think they're the sixth best team Auburn's going to play this year. Georgia's better. Bama's better. Arkansas's better. Ole Miss is probably better. So maybe they're, maybe they're the fifth team. Auburn's going to play four or five teams better than them. And, like, that wasn't even close. And most of those teams that I just listed, you're going to play on the road away from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Mm-hmm. Like that's um, that's it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. And, and, and it's the whole thing about hope, right? That's why Alan Green said that it was time to move on from Gus Malzahn just because there wasn't any hope. Well, man, there's certainly not any of that now. It's very, very telling that you mentioned the Johnny Manziel game because this this game, this year, I mentioned it in one of the scrimmage uh, podcasts we had when we when we talked about how Auburn was going to trot out maybe three quarterbacks. And I said, well, the last time that happened was 2012 with 
Clint Mosley, Kyle Frazier, and Jonathan Wallace, right? Now, I think these three quarterbacks are more talented than those three, but this has a 2012 feel all over it. And I still think there's a lot of talent, but here's the thing that's soul-crushing to me. You had recruits at this game that Brian Harson addressed before the game about being part of this of this atmosphere and this environment and picture yourself being out there on Saturdays and with about eight, nine minutes left to go in the game, they looked around and what they pictured and what they saw was Auburn fans, who I don't blame, by the way, no. leaving for the exits. What kind of horrible disaster was that that the recruits got to see this total meltdown? You come away from that as an 18-year-old kid, and I hate to say this, wanting to play for Auburn, that's why this was just very, very – the timing of all this could not have been worse. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing, right, that you heard from the staff and, and the folks that were pro-Harson, and, and I kind of put myself in this boat to some extent, where it's like, okay, well, you know, they're not where they need to be as far as the 2023 class yet, but they've got a lot of guys on the fence, and get them on campus a few times over the season – win a few games that, you know, maybe your toss-up games and you fill out that class, which I still do think works in theory. Obviously, that's not happening, right? Like, <laughs> like you, yeah. need, you need to win on Saturday for that first step or that next step to really happen. And so there's just not really a part of this football program where you can look at and say, yes, this is trending in the right direction, right? Because we kind of talked ourselves up into, you know, okay, Player development is back at Auburn. Okay, quarterback development is back at Auburn. A real offense is back at Auburn. And, Daryl, I think something that's frustrating is, like, there was a point in this game where it felt like you had it. There was a point where they showed a graphic on the CBS broadcast. I think it was the when Auburn was 20 plays in offensively. Like, there was 10 pass plays, 10 rushing plays so far. And it's like, cool, balance. Harson preaches balance all the time. And it's like, that's fantastic. Like, you really don't know. Well, they're going to run next. This is nice. And then TJ, who I think is going to get a lot of crap from this. And like, I don't think he should. I actually thought TJ was okay, really. But just the situation he's in really stinks. But he was, you know, that, that beautiful lob pass to Landon King. You and I texted each other about it. And then they pull him. <laughs> and he, he'd get another first down, that beautiful pass to Shedrick Jackson. I think it was in the first quarter. And then it's like a few minutes later, they pull him. I think it was after the Landon King reception. They pull him. They keep Robbie in for two plays. And then TJ's back in on a third and long. So he completes the pass and he's moving the chains. And then the next time he sees the field, it's a third and long. And it's like, what are we trying to do to this kid? Because you cannot tell me you're trying to set this kid up for success. Like you can say that, but like no one is going to believe that. No one. And I, I just hate it. I hate it for him. And I hate it for the offense. And look, you know, I get that Robbie in practice and in the game is making the case that he deserves to play. But Daryl, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that had close quarterback battles. And I think Robbie is a dynamic athlete. And I think he showed signs of it in the second half where he played exclusively in this one. But you I, I just don't buy the fact that that was best for either of them. Like, just the flow of the game and pulling these guys. Auburn, I think Auburn got in its own way in this one big time because I think the game could have totally developed in a different direction. It could have. There was a lot of mismanagement is what yeah. I consider to be. Number one, 
couple things jumped right out at me early on. Um, you cannot exchange field goals for touchdowns when you're in the red zone. No. The big fourth and one stop, you have all the momentum, you have the crowd going crazy. You punch it in there and make it 7 nothing. Who knows the complexion of the game? Wow. Auburn has to settle for a field goal. So while Penn State's scoring touchdowns, Auburn's kicking field goals and just allowed Penn State to get right. And then the mismanagement of, of the quarterbacks, you're right, the flow. Look, T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford made some questionable decisions, but they also made some plays that – Finley in the first half, you know, on a lot of third and longs with his legs and his arm. And then, as you mentioned, he get pulled. How do you throw a ball to Landon King? Well, we've been begging for a 50-50 ball, and he does exactly what we've wanted Auburn receivers to do. He goes up and gets it. Guess how many targets he got after that? Zero. None. Zero. That is a that is criminal. That You talk about mismanagement. There, there's Shanker caught one ball. I just don't have a clue as to what schematically game plan. Even when something works, they don't go back to it. It was, it was absolutely, as you mentioned, mismanagement. You look at the stats, and Tank Bigsby and T.J. Finley had the same amount of carries. I get it. Auburn fell behind, but I think I think Tank Bigsby had four carries in the first quarter and zero in the second quarter. I don't know. Yeah, five. I think at five and then zero. Hunter yeah. has zero than five. Yeah. So I don't. I don't get. That. I mean, again, I, I just don't understand. It's like they bailed too fast on certain offensive game plans, but mismanagement is the the key. When you talk about what you've just mentioned, no flow, screwing with the kids' heads. I don't know. I I just I think I think it's going to be a disjointed, fractured locker. Even in the past. When Auburn has struggled traditionally, go back to the Die years, and Pat Die had two losing seasons back to back. There always seemed to be this hope of of stud players still wanting to play at Auburn. Stephen Davis comes, and he was a a great tailback. After a year, Auburn has a losing season. Auburn got some good recruits after two thousand eight. They got some good recruits after two thousand twelve. What happened today? just doesn't give me any confidence or hope that anybody that this class could finish in the top 25. Yeah. All right. I, I want to talk about some stuff that happened over the week, but today's show is brought to you by our friends at bet online. They're the place for all of your sports wagering. I had the under 47 um, Penn state kept scoring. So I missed on that one, Daryl, but I did have the um, Penn state minus two and a half. I, I predicted Penn state to win this one. Um, obviously I, I thought it would be closer, Daryl, but it is, um, it, it is what it is, but Hey, you can get in on all the action. There's a ton of lines, a ton of, uh, props, a ridiculous amount of things to check out on all sports related, good stuff at bet online, Bet online is where the game starts. Daryl, something I thought was interesting and we touched on it some, but last week, Auburn barely beats and really struggles to, to win against a much lesser San Jose State team. And then to generate excitement, it really seems like this program teased the orange jersey thing mm -hmm. to generate excitement. And there was so much interest and so much conversation, not about your football team, but about the color jersey they were going to wear. And then you say, oh, no, tradition, we're wearing blue which is fine or whatever. But then when you go out and put that product on the field after doing all of that stuff, like there's going to be a lot of jaded, ticked off Auburn fans. 
I agree. I think it was gimmicky. Look, I don't care if Auburn wore orange jerseys or not. But when you start trolling on social media, I mean, we're not third graders. The Auburn fan base deserves better than that. Yes. That was a really crappy, tricky, you know, gimmicky, petty thing to do. Don't don't tease it. Don't act like you're going to, you know, put an orange cloth that there's a texture of a jersey on your Instagram post. Don't do all that and then don't do it. Yeah, it was that. And then Auburn basketball put out something about, you know, Jabari Smith scoring an orange and made a comment. The softball team did it. The softball, soccer team the soccer, did it. I think gymnastics did it too. And it's just like, what are you doing? Keep what? trolling the Auburn fan base like that and you're going to have 51,000 in the stands against LSU because it's not fair with the way Auburn fans and Auburn Nation came out in full force today and then they got that product and that crap that they had to sit through while Penn State's putting 40 on you and their ch fans are chanting we are I mean Penn State came into Jordan Hare and made the home fans leave early yeah. that's embarrassing it's embarrassing and it's absolutely and then and you're you're going to troll that fan base that's a joke and I think that's unacceptable yeah it is and I think I think accountability will be had at some point. So I, I just, I, I don't see, I don't see what the answer moving forward is Daryl to any of this. Like what, what do you, what do you think the answer moving forward is to this team? Um, aside from firing him, I think most people watching this and most people responding to what happened Saturday is like, you got to move on. You got to move on from Brian Harson and this coaching staff. But if Auburn is to fix this before Missouri and LSU come to town, what do you think they have to do? Because Firing him does not help you beat Missouri and LSU right now. I don't think. I don't think it does. If you think I'm wrong on that, tell me. I don't know if they have. You're not wrong because I don't know if they have a a a, a tool bag to go into to fix this. I mean, they don't. Uh, what are they going to do? Change their play calling? Schematically change? The only thing they can do is maybe play Robbie Ashford for the whole game. Let him use his legs dynamically to to add a second a second type of a threat that keeps Missouri honest, that keeps them stacking seven or eight in the box. And Ashford from now until next week starts to connecting on starts to connect on passes. I mean, that's all you do is to you can build a game plan around him and his legs and give them a, another threat. Uh, hope that your defense doesn't get shredded in the run game and get pancake blocked. I mean, I you know the way like I said the way Auburn started that game, the Papo hit on Clifford. I mean. Clifford has, has got to be sick that Auburn's not in the Big Ten. I mean, he absolutely – I mean, he looks – now, he had a, a, you know, an efficient game. He only threw it 19 – I don't know what he was – he's like he only misfired on four passes. But I don't understand what you can do from now till then. So that's why you got to look big picture. Do you cut bait, go ahead and just blow it all up and say let's start building? But there isn't – I don't even think there's anybody on staff right now that could take this on an, in, in an interim basis for the rest of the year that could provide any more of a spark. And I don't want to hear all the message board warriors and discord warriors talking about Zach Etheridge and all that. I mean, I, he's not ready for that. He's a great guy, great recruiter, but X's and O's and what's going on. Auburn, in my opinion, needs to, needs to blow it up. And I don't think I've ever seen a year where other than Terry Bowden resigning in 98, We've talked about the tradition of Auburn not firing coaches mid-season. Yeah, um, I don't know. This could be the year that there's a precedent with precedence with that. Well, there's a lot of change in leadership right now. Um, 
maybe, maybe. There's some telling cryptic messages from people that have covered the Auburn Tigers as beat writers for a long time talking about this particular interim athletic director and what his role is going forward with the football program. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. As far as the, um, I mean, as far as moving forward, there's a lot of people saying like, there's no way TJ Finley needs to start again, but it's like, I really, and this may change when I do a rewatch, but I just don't think TJ was the issue. I mean, obviously the pick was bad. Like he was trying to throw it away and he just didn't get enough juice on it. Which again, another ineptitude coaching moment. Doesn't the coaching staff doesn't even realize that the, the clock had run out on the quarter, which would have saved that interception and given oh, Auburn three points. So it's bad enough the Big Ten replay boot didn't catch it. I get that. People talking about, well, they should have caught it. You don't rely on a conference officiating. You are the coach on the sideline. Yeah. You're responsible. Pay attention to what's going on in the game and catch that. Totally missed it. Totally didn't challenge it. Both Nestler and Danielson said had uh, Brian Harson challenge it. He wins that challenge, and you save the interception. That's ineptitude right there, Zach. I, I can't, I can't yeah. use another adjective for that. It's bad. It's certainly bad. But I, I, I just – Folks that want to pin this all on like somewhat on TJ and the offense, like I, I really don't think I, I think he actually played decent in spite of everything falling around him. I mean, he had some plays that were he extended probably too long and got sacked, should have gotten rid of it after he kind of escaped the top uh, the pocket. But I mean, maybe you change it just to, to provide a spark and give Robbie a, a chance. But did you see? when the camera was on Calzada mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Oh yeah. That's telling. I mean, it's, it, and I, it was like, what is, what, what, why, why am I not another, another troll job by Auburn? You know, I mean, he gets reps in practice. It gets leaked out that he's probably going to get in the game. If there's issues, look, if he doesn't get in that football game, I don't know what football game he would get in because of, of, of how that all went down. You're getting blown out. Your first two quarterbacks are making poor decisions, and you still can't get in the game and see what he has. Six sacks. Six sacks. Auburn did not get a sack. Penn State sacked at Auburn quarterbacks, sacked Auburn quarterbacks six times, four turnovers. I mean, we talked about it last week. They they helped the penalties a little bit. They had seven penalties. Penn State had nine. You can't turn it over four times. You can't get your quarterback sacked sacked six times. So if Calzada doesn't get in after we were told or some other people were told that covers Auburn, hey, this could be the week he's getting, what, he got a third of the first team reps? I mean, I don't understand. I mean, what do you have to lose at that point? Unless you're worried about he comes in in a game where Auburn's down 41-12 to and he get two long touchdown drives real quick, and then you look stupid as a coaching staff because he wasn't playing all along. At least there's some excitement, though. I mean, what are people excited Hope about? or hope, right? Hope. What if he comes in and goes seven of eight, scores two, throws two touchdowns? You feel a lot better going in next week against Missouri, don't you? Yeah, I I don't know right now if, if I'm picking Auburn against Missouri next week. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, obviously – how how is Auburn going to consistently score points right now? I mean, that's well, my you could, concern. You, you could say that between Bigsby and Hunter, 
if, if Missouri's run defense is as poor as You've got to give them the ball, though. You, you do. And that's why you maybe go back to basics and go, heck with this, we're 2-1, and one. we got beat by Penn State. I'm going back to basics. I'm going to my meal ticket, bread truck. I'm going to give it to Bigsby 25 times. I'm going to give it to Hunter 15 times. If you do that and rush for 300 yards against Missouri, which is possible, by the way, could happen, but you've got to be willing to sell out and do that. Say what you want about the, the Gus Malzahn era and tenure and a lot of this porous offensive line that we're looking at is his fault from a recruiting standpoint and the offensive lineman. But it, Gus would run the wheels off running backs. If that's what it took to win and that was his meal ticket, he'd give him the ball 30 times a game. Yeah, carry on Johnson uh, in, in attendance. Uh, on Trey Saturday. Mason. Trey Mason. I mean, Trey Mason <laughs> is probably still sore from the carries he got in the SEC championship game. You know, against Missouri. So I don't know. That's that's the mentality of all in, sell out, do whatever you can do to win. And if it takes giving Bigsby the ball 25, 30 times, then by God, you better do it. Yeah. All right. I, I want to go through the schedule and then something that uh, one of my friends on the beach tweeted out and go over that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to check out the Locked On Auburn Discord. As expected, it was absolute chaos and pandemonium and fun to be a part of. It was, it was fun, that's for sure. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was fun. So be sure to, to check that out. All right, so 2-1 and one going into Missouri. What's your confidence level? Let, let's just go through this real quick. Sure, win, sure, let's do or, it. Win or loss based on this information we've got now. I think they beat Missouri. I think it's close, and it's an ugly football game, and they win it by just getting back to basics, running the football. And I think they play better defensively against Missouri, so I think they win that game. Yeah, 11 o'clock game next week against Missouri. Yeah. Sure, I'll agree with you. LSU. Well, I mean, it really depends on what I see tonight, the rest of or what I saw last night from LSU and Mississippi State. But right now, LSU's got more talent and a little bit better quarterback play with Daniels, right? So uh, that that's a game that – I could see LSU coming in and winning. Yeah. And then, obviously, we go to uh, to Georgia. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. They get better every week. At Ole Miss, all of a sudden now, it's like, I don't think that's happening either, right? I mean, Mississippi that- State's playing good. I mean, uh, you know, A&M could be one of those <laughs> – surpri- like, like the Jeremy Johnson game when Auburn went to College Station and beat A&M, who was favored – you know, they're no world beaters. App State should have lost to Troy last night. They didn't. And uh, that's a team that beat AM. So that could be one of those games that Auburn can sneak up and win at home. But I, I believe Western Kentucky won their game mm-hmm. against a, a, a power five opponent. Yeah. And, I, and so yeah. they're no they're they're not a pushover by any means. Western Kentucky is a is a decent football team. So wow. It, it yeah, so after Ole Miss is that bye week, mm-hmm. um, if you do it, is that when you do it? Well, let me just say this. Yeah, unless unless it goes south next week. If you lose to Missouri, you're gone, right? You're gone. I think if I think if and I hate you know I don't want to make this. It's so it's so difficult to talk about people's careers and families and livelihoods, but you know it's fair game when you're just talking about a coaching position and what's going on. And I think that if Auburn gets beat by Missouri next week and goes to two and two, I don't think he makes it to the LSU game. Just, and I could be a hundred percent wrong, just an opinion. Auburn may not, may may not want to do things this way, but I'm going to tell you something. 
they've not done things like this in the past, but have you ever felt like the higher-ups at Auburn and the powers-to-be have had such a distaste towards a coach that they have in Brian Harson? Even Terry Bowden, was there was a honeymoon period, and Tommy Tuberville and Gene Chizik and Gus Malzahn. They, there was some, some grace given there and yeah. some fondness there. He seemed to, right out of the gate, uh, have just really issues with a lot of the things that have happened in the last year and a half yep. with the higher-ups at Auburn. That's why he might not be afforded the same type of, of dignity and grace that the other ones were to finish out the year. Right. Because the disdain, the disdain is the word I'm looking for. From the day he first took this job and there were so many controversies swirling around him, He's not very well liked, apparently, by by the people that mattered, and that's why I don't think that um, he makes it out of a Missouri game if he loses. I don't think he gets the grace that the other Auburn coaches that were a little bit more beloved get. Yeah, I mean, even Chiswick in 2012, it's like, well, you're coming off a natty. Like, can they fire somebody that won a national championship just a few years prior and, and all that? So, like, won his bowl game in 2011, even after the national. You know, they only won eight games, true. but looked good in the Chick Fil A Bowl on Gus's swan song. Yeah. Had some momentum going into 2012, and then the offensive coordinator hire was a disaster, and it went downhill from there. But yeah. they weren't going to fight. Chiz was liked. I mean, he was. Yeah. You know, the, the, the higher ups. He stayed here. Like he stayed. He lived here after. Um, yeah. After he was like, J- oh, yeah. And remember, that was Jay Jacobs' boy, and Jay Jacobs was still in charge right right now there's nobody i mean there is nobody to provide cover for brian harson nobody jay jacobs loved gus malzahn and jay jacobs loved gene chiswick and those two had some some protection and some a little bit more rope and a little bit more leeway than brian harson does right now he's twisting to the wind who's his, who's got his back who from auburn right now has brian harson's back that person was Alan Green, and he is no longer with Auburn. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. So, Hoke, um, friend of the program, Justin Hokinson with On3, he, he tweeted a, a long thing before the game started about like speculating about the culture and everything that's been built, this physical mindset and toughness that we've heard about, right, since Harson's been hired, and then, of course, this offseason, we've heard about it a ton, and at media days, and all right, it's time to time to put it to the test, and uh, it seems like it's a bunch of seems like it's not true. There's an expression out in Arizona when I lived out there that we had that, that comes to mind. It's all hat, no cattle. Sure, where you have you can talk a good game and listen. I got to be very transparent because I don't want to be a hypocrite. When Harson was hired, I was geeked about the hire. He said all the right things. He's a tough looking guy. I thought he could develop players. I thought Auburn was going to be physical. I thought they weren't going to be soft, team meetings, culture, all that. But all that all that happens is sometimes you can be a great talker and you can talk a great game. And then at the end of the day, what happens on the field, the product? Are you are you showing that? Are there is there a is that a byproduct? And I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, you know, not last year with the way they finished the season and the way they finished games. And I sure as heck haven't seen it this year. And that that's what comes to mind to me is you, you talk a big game, all hat, no cattle, and, and we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of guys around the country that don't talk near as much 
and you would do not want to line up and play their football game, their football teams every Saturday. And the one that comes to mind to me, and I'm not talking about hot boards or potential um, replacements at Auburn, but I would love to have a coach like Mark Stoops that doesn't say much, that's very low key, but just gets it done. And you know, who knows? I don't know what direction Auburn would go if they if they fired Brian Harson. I don't know what the the candidates would look like. But it'd be interesting because you've got an interim athletic director. Do you let him make the hire? Do you wait to fire a, to wait to hire a full-time athletic director? I just feel like it's going to get really, really interesting around here the next the next month or so. Yeah, the timing and the logistics of everything I think are fascinating. So, um, Daryl, thank you for another week. This one wasn't fun to talk about. So, <laughs> well, it's fun. It's fun being with you, regardless. It's not fun. I mean, this is where you just got to dig deep, and uh, there's still content, right? But I always enjoy oh, yeah. being on here with you, and it's fun after a game. And I will say this: it made me watch every play of a game I normally probably would have t- turned off. Shoot, there there you was some where I, I caught myself zoning out in the fourth quarter. Like it's just yeah. like what was gonna happen? What in the world yep. was gonna happen? But yep. All right. So I'll be back tomorrow with Lindsey Crosby. We will discuss um the game more in detail. I'll get into the rewatch in and, and, and all of that and then what this looks like um moving forward. So be sure to uh follow Daryl on Twitter at DAPP6410 and join the Discord and read all of uh, our written work at auburndaily.com. We'll see you soon right here on Locked on Auburn.